Good afternoon. I'm your host, Jimmy Kim, and you're watching the greatest show on the planet, The Jimmy Kim Show. To the audience out there, thank you so much for tuning in, and Happy New Year. Today, I have the wonderful pleasure of interviewing Houston City Council Member at-large, position three, Michael Kubosh. Now, the at-large positions actually represent the city as a whole, which is a tremendous amount of constituents because, as you may or may not know, Houston is one of the largest cities in the country. Actually, the fourth largest the last time I checked. So, Michael, take the mic. Go ahead. It's so, good to be here with you, Jimmy, at the greatest uh, radio show in, uh, in, in Houston. Oh, thank you and so it's, much. It's good to be here, <laughs> and um, I, I enjoy being here with your listeners. And uh, I, we have a lot of good things to talk about today. I, I believe that uh, uh, if you'll stay and you'll listen, you, you'll learn something about city government and some of the things that are going on that that, that pertain to your day-to-day -day life. Fantastic. All right, Michael. So the, the audience can get to know you a bit better. I mean, obviously they know you're an elected official, but show tell us uh, some information about your background. Well, I'm, I'm married. I have... Uh, I have uh, five children. I have 20 grandchildren, three great-grandchildren. Yes, I'm a great-grandpa. And actually, I'm way too young to be a great-grandpa, Jimmy. That's but, what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. But I am. And uh, I, I've been in the uh, the bail business for years, I, I, uh, I, which is a surety business. And, and then I became a city council member. I'm, I'm now just a city council member. I'm not in any any other business other than the business of the city. And uh, so it's always been my intent uh, over the years to, uh, when, I, when I was a younger man, uh, I, I ran children's homes. Uh, I had two foster group homes. I had adopted a child. I had foster group home children in my own home. I had six. And uh, I care about children. I care about people. It's about people. And since I've been in government the last eight years, I, I see things, Jimmy, that I don't like. But the thing that I do like is serving the people. I do like that. You know, I really like hearing that, Michael, because that's actually why elected officials are there, to serve the people. But I feel like at times that gets misinterpreted. Well, I'll let the listeners know that since I've been in office, I have not been enriched by being a city council member. I have not done anything that has enriched me financially. In fact, I, I take umbrage to anybody that would get in city government or any government position to enrich themselves. I believe that that is wrong. They're there to serve the people. We've taken an oath of office to protect the people. And sometimes we have to protect the people from politicians. And I think that we have to do what's right and uh, and do it every day. We We can't pick and choose what we want to do we have to we have to do what's right you know i really like to hear that myself and i know the audience likes to hear that as well because sometimes i i just i feel the energy around me of people that are getting frustrated with what's going on in government and that's at all levels michael so well, I, I'm, I, I'm happy you're promoting that and listen you know we we just came through the uh, a big part of this pandemic whether or not we're still in it or not that's yet to be determined but, but whenever they shut the, the government down and they shut down small businesses, Jimmy, I couldn't even get a haircut. I couldn't, and I know this may sound strange to you men, but I mean, I get pedicures and manicures. Why? Because I, 
it, I need it. You know, I can't get down there and take care of that stuff anymore. So I, I go and you can't even find a nail salon anymore. You can't find a business that was open, a small business. You, 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 you everything was locked down. In fact, uh, I, I begin to wonder where people were getting haircuts unless they were cutting it themselves or their nails done or just simple things, you know, and, and always having to be concerned about wearing a mask. And, and I want to be safe. But listen, that mask that we wear is is to protect you from blood-borne pathogens. Uh, you know, Jimmy, I have a mask right here in my pocket. And, and let me tell you what, uh, viruses can go right through these masks. They, they, they don't stop. They don't stop the, the, the viruses. They only stop blood-borne pathogens. So we, we need to be aware of what we're really trying to put people through when we lock them down. That's why the murder rate is up and the suicide rate and the domestic violence rate is up. So many things. We've locked down the churches. We've shut down places of worship. Uh, and... And that's where a man needs to go and a woman needs to go to, to find peace and, and with themselves and with their people and with their God. And we shut those places of worship down. And as a result of it, look what's happened. The crime is on the rise and we've got to do better than what we've done. We even shut the rodeo down. Unbelievable. And, and those people uh, that are involved in that rodeo, the children that would, that would get a scholarship, that that all got shut down, Jimmy. Yeah, I didn't like that because I didn't get to wear my cowboy hat and my well, <laughs> cowboy boots this year. <laughs> well, you know, and I understand that, but but we've got to do better. And government's for the protecting of its people, and and we have to protect them from government. Well, absolutely, and I, I like the fact that you brought up the masks because here they're not mandatory. Uh, we don't impose that on people, and it sounds. For, it sounds what I interpreted your message is uh, you respect people's decision to do so if they want to, but it's not something you're imposing on on individuals. If you Did I get that correctly? Yes. If, okay. if you would have asked me to wear a mask today, I would have wore it. Sure. Okay. You know, uh, there's a there's a there's a scripture in the New Testament that says if eating meat offends my brother, I'll not eat it. Now, personally, I, I like all kinds of meat, but but if you don't want me to eat it uh, in your presence, I, I wouldn't eat it. And, and I understand what that was really trying to say, but we, we need to respect people's privacy. We need to respect their rights. And, um, and, and I, I just believe that, that, uh, that we have overreacted to this virus. My grandson had a, he's in his, he's in his 20s, and he had an appendicitis attack, and he had surgery. And the doctor said, oh, that was covid and uh, really, well, he didn't have insurance, but because it was COVID-related, the federal government paid for his surgery. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. There, I've been I've been trying to promote this like everywhere I go. I mean, uh, we we just need to get back to the basics in, in some instances and boost our immune systems rather than live in fear and paranoia about this COVID virus. What do you think about that, Mike? Well, when you look at uh, you look at the history of of uh, plagues and and diseases, and, and you you measure it against uh, the COVID outbreak, you, you'll find that it, that the numbers uh, are not that different. And we there's just not a whole lot that we can do. Uh, we we can try to protect ourselves from it by by not being around others. But the truth of the matter is, it looks like uh, that that either if you don't, if you don't wear a mask, you're going to get it. 
If you do wear a mask, you're going to get it. If you get vaccinated, you're going to get it. If you don't get vaccinated, you're going to get it. it it's like uh, if you don't go out, you're going to get it. Look, I have a three-month-old grand grandson, and he got COVID, and he hadn't been anywhere, and his mama hadn't left the house. Hmm. I don't know where they got it. But he got better? Yeah, he's better now. Well, thank and, goodness. And, you know, but, but my, and my, so maybe my son gave it to him. I don't know, but the truth of the matter is there's no – possible way to this virus is so small it to keep it uh out out of the the air and you they say it'll it'll hover in the air and you can walk through and breathe it we have to build up our what they call herd immunity yes when i've first heard about that it made perfect sense to me we there's gonna we're gonna have to live through this thing yes that that makes sense yeah i'm on the same page as you michael okay let's shift gears a little bit uh so can you tell us more about your at-large position three? Because, like I said, a lot of I feel like a lot of Houstonians are maybe not aware of what that position entails. For example, that you're representing the whole city of Houston. Well, so for the audience that doesn't really understand what that is, well, let me give you a, a, a real clear snapshot of this, and that is that there are there are sixteen uh, council members that serve the city of Houston. Sixteen of us. Five of us are at-large. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five. So that I'm number three. It doesn't matter if you're one or five or three. If, if you're at large, that means you cover all 11 districts. There's 11 district council members, A through K. The district council members have just a specific district that, that, that votes for them, and they, they represent their district. Now, obviously, if they vote, it affects the entire city. So you can say they they also uh, represent the entire city technically. Technically, mm-hmm. so then you have uh, two other people. You have the mayor, who's elected at large, just like I am, and then you have the city controller, who really should be the watchdog of the city, and he's also elected uh, overall the city. And what concerns me is is that we don't have the city controller. Uh, a seat at the table, and when we do business every week, he has to sign off on all of these contracts, and and he's not ever at the table. We only get to see him uh, once a month, and we'll see him tomorrow at City Hall, and uh, he'll make a presentation to us about the finances of the city. But he needs to be there at council every week with us so we can ask him questions, but he doesn't do it. And, and I, I really believe the city controller should be at every council meeting every week, just like the rest of us. He's paid full time. The mayor's paid full time. The 16 council members are paid part time. That means I could have another job if I wanted it. But it's really a full time job, if you ask me. Agreed. Yeah. So that makes complete sense from a common sense perspective, Michael, what you said about the comptroller. I wasn't even aware of that. But that's not even a partisan issue. It's not a liberal or conservative thing. It just it makes sense for that person to be there, considering the amount of of oversight that oversight that they have within the process. And and, and it's it concerns me too that uh, since, since we're talking about this, things that need to change in our city, the city needs to have an independent independently elected city attorney. Right now, the city attorney is chosen by the mayor, ratified by council, and after that, he'll tell you. Uh, or the mayor will tell you he represents my interest. In other words, what I say. He's not answerable to the city council really as an individual, but he is as a whole perhaps. But 
but he's always looking out for the best interests of what the mayor's doing. And we don't need that. We need somebody that's independently looking out for what's the, the best for the voters. In the county, we have a county attorney. The county attorney is elected by the voters. And their resp- his responsibility or hers is to represent the people of, this, of Harris County. And this is in every county in Texas. The county attorney is elected. But in city business, the city has a, 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 an appointed attorney by the, the mayor and, and ratified by council. But it really needs to be somebody independently elected who can do their own thing, investigating things, and doesn't have to answer to the mayor. That's very interesting insight. Thank you for sharing that with us because I feel like that kind of information is something that may not be as public or people are, are, that are aware about that kind of those kinds of issues unless you're actually in there like yourself. Well, I wasn't like I said I wasn't even aware of that. Well, Jimmy, j- just like here recently, we had an incident at the airport where uh, and and this has been on television. It's been in the where where the 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 airport director uh, got, has his girlfriend got involved with somebody, and there's some uh, dis, there's some sexual harassment charge now against her, and it goes to what's called the OIG, which is Office of Inspector General. And who is that? Well, that's somebody in the city attorney's order office, appointed by the mayor, controlled by the mayor. And if you don't do what the mayor says, he'll fire you. So. I mean, he, so whatever, whatever decision that comes out of that OIG, Office of Inspector General, is really what the mayor wants. And, and I, I don't care who the mayor is. It, it shouldn't be that way. That's why we need an independent elected city attorney and an independent Office of Inspector General that doesn't have to answer to the mayor. Once again, that makes complete sense. Once again, not a liberal or conservative issue here. Just right. a, something that's, that's reasonable. That would actually help the whole city, operationally speaking, for well, transparency. I, I think the key is transparency. Otherwise, you you know you'll have what had recently happened when Tom McClasson, who is our uh, director, uh, was our director over housing. He 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 looks like he just had enough. And one day he came to council, and and he basically blew the lid off of everything. He said that the mayor is is uh, is doing things to to benefit a certain uh, builder or investor, and and it just blew things up. Mm. Now, he's a whistleblower, and you know what you do to whistleblowers? Well, the mayor fires them, and and yet that shouldn't be. They should be protected by law. If they come forward and say something, you know, the mayor was running around for a while saying, if you see something, say something. Well, Tom McClasson saw something, he said something, and he got fired. So, so what does that really say to people who, when they see something, should they say something if they're going to lose their job? Well, I, I disagree with what the mayor did on that, and I still think that Tom McClaston was right in coming forward, and he said that what's happening is that there's a culture of corruption in, in the city government. That's very dangerous. But thank you for exposing that as well, because like I said, I wasn't aware of some of these things that were going on. And I like that, Michael, that you are vocal about it, because I feel like a lot of people in the system are, do not do the same. Because as you said, if you whistleblow, you lose your job. It's well, very risky. Well, Jimmy, when I go home at night, I, I have to go to sleep. And uh, I have to sleep by myself. You know, my wife's there. But, I, I mean, I, I have to sleep with my own mind and my own thoughts. 
And and I if I don't do what's right, uh, it troubles me. And I, I in my mind, if I don't speak up, there's been times when I've said I should have said this or I should have said that. I didn't speak up quick enough. And so we have to, we cannot allow wrong to hide itself in, in government. We have to expose it. And the only thing that will shine the light on, on this is, is the brightness of transparency. Yes. And then sharing that information, you know, speaking I, I, out. And I told you when I first ran for office, uh, I said, I'm an outsider. Put me on the inside and I'll tell you what's really going on at City Hall because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, 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 not a part of the, I'm not a part of the political elite. I'm not a part of the establishment. I'm an outsider. And so at my first really kind of a debate thing, I get up, Jimmy, and I said, uh, I'm going to shine the light on these cockroaches. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> and, man, did the place just – it kind of froze a lot of folks. And my political guy came to me and says, hey, don't say that again. <laughs> Maybe that's why you won the election, Michael. <laughs> Maybe it is. But, but you know, I, I guess I got carried away in my mind because I do want to shine the light on what's wrong. Right. And, and, you know, when you turn the light on, the cockroaches do run. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. they and, always run. And some of them, they deserve that treatment. Now, I'm not saying we're not saying they're all cockroaches. They're not all bad. There's certainly some good people that are in public, publicly uh, elected positions. But as I said, the people that act like that, they, they deserve to be spotlighted in that manner. Jimmy, I think I think it's 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 bad to have bad politicians, but it's also bad to have politicians who who won't stand up for what's right when it's right before them, even though they may say they haven't done anything wrong. Right. But when they're in a position to do something and to take an affirmative action, I think it's wrong when you don't. Yes. I think it's a I think it's a, a, a an an it, I think what we used to call it in church was we'd say that's a sin of omission. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. And and so we, I have a duty to do certain things, mm-hmm. Jimmy. And yes. one of the things that I'm I'm going to do is I have a voice, I have a vote, and I have a seat at the table. Why? Because you, the voters, gave it to me. And I take that with deep respect, and I'm not going to sit by silently worried about what somebody's going to think about me if I speak up. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to ask the hard questions. I'm not going to try to attack anybody, but I'm going to ask the hard questions. Yes. So my question is, uh, so are you you're Christian, Michael? Yes, I, okay. I am Christian by faith, and uh, I have been since I've been about, uh, well, even though I was I, I was born to a, in a Christian family, you know, you I, I made that decision myself when I was about 15 years old. Wow, yeah. Monty, I didn't know that, but I think that's the best way to do it, rather yeah. than it being imposed on anybody. Yeah, just, I made, a, I made that decision, decision on my own. Okay. Yeah, glad to hear that. Yeah, it's funny because out in society they say, never talk about religion and politics. Well, here, <laughs> we, we like to change it up here. Because <laughs> if we never do, then how's anything going to get done? And, and, right? and yet, even though I'm Christian, I, I respect people of, of all religions. I, I have friends that are Hindu, some that are Muslim, some that are Christian, some are Jews. I have some that don't believe in anything. Right. At least they say they don't, and I still like them. Oh, you respect you know, their, I respect their, them, their you know? values, right? And, and, and it's... it's um, it's it's about if you really believe if if you're really a Christian you're going to be tolerant of of everybody and that's that's how I feel I believe Jesus was tolerant you know when he fed the five thousand on the Mount of Beatitudes I've been to that Mount 
multiple times. And when he fed them, I don't think he was going around saying, okay, we're only going to feed the uh, a certain group. I think he, he fed didn't. everybody yeah. because that's, that's the way we and, – and in government, you, you protect everybody. You do what's right for, for everybody. everybody. Right. Yeah, I like that because I, I feel like society is going down a path right now where there's a lot of divisiveness, infighting, just because of certain differences, including what you just mentioned, even religious differences or political and my thing is, like, let's agree to disagree. Well, you know, Jimmy, my brother Randy and I, my wife, we went to a, a church called Rose of Sharon over uh, off of Valentine Street in, in the Fourth Ward. And, and the pastor there is named Elmo Johnson. And they have a big sign in their church that says, We love people. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and so that's how they started the service. We love people. And that's how they ended the service. Right. We love people. And, and, and I think that really resonated with my wife, my brother, and I. You know, we thought, wow, that's a nice thing to say is we really love people. And the way you know people really care for people is if they, they do something. Yes, their character. They, they their do actions. something. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I like that because, yeah, people tend to, they prejudge based on political affiliation, religious affiliation, or even by the color of their skin sometimes. Oh, absolutely. We, we need to get past that. Oh, absolutely. In the year 2022, like, we, we really should be farther than, than that. Because as I said, I think it was MLK that said that. To, let's look at and judge people by their character, not by the color of their skin. Yes. Martin Luther King was, uh, was uh, alive during my young days when I was a, when I was a young man. Right. And, and I remember the uh, the Bloody Sunday uh, in in the march to to Selma to Montgomery. I remember the Bloody Sunday crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge and going into Selma, wanting to register to vote. And that's what that was about, you know. They wanted to register to vote, and so they were beaten mercifully. I think seven or eight died, and then Martin Luther King called. Uh, he wasn't there on Bloody Sunday. He called the nation. He, I saw him on television saying, we need to come and support. Please come, please come, please come. And, you know, a lot of people came. And it wasn't just blacks. It was a lot of whites, a lot of white ministers. And if you know the history of that, you know that two white uh, clergymen from Boston, uh, the next day after they were to walk across the bridge, uh, were murdered uh, by some Klansmen. And that, that murder of those two whites... Uh, clergyman uh, sent us a message to uh, President Johnson, and uh, and he he signed that voter rights uh, bill back in 1965, and so I, I think that we have to treat people uh, uh, fairly uh, to, to judge somebody by the color of their skin or their ethnicity, uh, or, or any of that is wrong. You know, we have to be fair. We have to treat people fairly. Yes, and that's a good motivation to get engaged in the political process and especially go vote because the sacrifices these people made just a few generations ago, it's, it's unfathomable. And considering, how voted, it. It, and considering the voter participation right now, the numbers, when I look at it, I, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, it, there for a while. I, I got pretty upset about the low numbers. Um, right. I couldn't understand it, Jimmy. And I think that uh, even people that I know very well uh, in my own family, some of them don't want to vote. And I said, you're not going to go vote for me. Well, you know, you're either going to win or lose. One vote won't make a difference. And, and that's that type of an attitude. It just didn't make sense to me. 
but but I, I I begin to wonder why is there such voter apathy? Uh, you know, do you have any idea who the largest single voting block is in Houston? No. Uh, well, I do. It's black females, sixty-five and older, and and hmm. I was stunned to learn that. And then I, what the first time I won an election. The median median age, not average, the median mm-hmm. age of the voters who voted in that election, Jimmy, were 69 years old. Young people don't vote. So when I went out and spoke at the colleges and said, you know, uh, and, and they said they really like me coming, I said, but, and I appreciate y'all saying all this to me, but the truth of the matter is the reason why you don't have more politicians coming out here to talk to you is because you people don't vote. You don't vote. The second time I ran for office, the median age of the uh, people who voted was 62 years old. So maybe I had a little impulse, a little impulse. Maybe so. <laughs> but but it's the median age. I mean, think about it. Old people vote. If you walk into a senior citizen meeting, I want to tell you, those people vote. And, and if you go to some of these uh, young people meetings, they don't vote. They, they they don't know the issues. They don't. Well, you know, mom and dad's going to do that for us. I I mean, they just don't. They don't participate. Yes. So hopefully we can inspire everybody to go vote. That's legally of age. And I want them to go vote so long as they vote right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's why I tell people go go get informed about candidates before you punch the ticket. Because if not, then you're not. It's not a wise vote. Yeah. I yeah. I want them to vote. Uh, and to to study the issues and and yes. to vote what's best for the country. Absolutely, yeah. Study the policy, and, or even go meet the candidates themselves. There's a lot of election uh, events going on actually right now, where candidates are hosting meet and greets. It's and, so and re- easy to go meet these right. people running for office. And remember this, Jimmy. Uh, uh, local politics, all politics is local, but local politics and local officials are going to affect you more in your day to day life than who the president of the United States is. You say, well, how could that be? Well, did you know that the city of Houston raised your water bill over the next uh, five years about 40%? Did you know that? Did you know that I voted against it? Did you know that? Did, did you know that there's all these uh, things that are going on in city government at, that, that affect you every day? Do you know that if you have a piece of property in a, in a, in a 100-year floodplain that you can't build on it? You can't, you can't, unless you build two feet above the 500-year flood plan, you're going to have put a beach house in the neighborhood. Uh, a lot of people don't realize the, the power of local government and local government officials and local judges. Judges will have more effect on your lives every day than the congressman will because they're the ones that, that, that rule on your, on your civil suits, on your criminal cases, and, and on your family matters and your divorces and your your wills. So you need to know who these people are and vote for good people that have good values. Yes. Yeah, every, every election is important. Yeah, local up to federal. And uh, a lot of people just pay attention to the presidential or big senatorial or congressional. But, yeah, those local ones will affect your daily life, Michael, as you were saying. Yeah. And, and think about this. School taxes, the school board, the, the, and the school taxes. Uh, Jimmy, you and I, owning a home or a business, we pay more school taxes than we do city and county taxes combined. 
and yet the turnout on school board elections is so low. It's abysmal. Yeah. And, and and what concerns me is all this money that I have paid in and you have paid in to the school system and our taxes, and we're not educating our children. Our schools are falling very, way short of other countries and even other states. We have got to do better in educating our children. And, and that is, should be a real priority, and yet people don't go to the polls and vote. Right. Is, so my next question, Michael, is why did you initially uh, run for office? I feel like maybe I can answer half of it for you. Was it because you wanted to make a difference? <laughs> I think I got that right. <laughs> well, you know, Jimmy, back in, in 2008, uh, my brothers and I started a campaign to, to get rid of the red light cameras that were uh, that were being installed by, uh, at that time, Mayor Bill White's administration. And they put up over 100 cameras. And uh, I, I knew that the cameras uh, were giving people tickets that didn't even, that weren't driving the car. And, and so if you're, if you loaned your car to somebody and they drove it and they ran through one of those camera lights and, and got a ticket, you had to pay it and you weren't even driving your car. So I've always felt like that was an injustice. So we started collecting petitions. We, before we did that, I, I went to Milam and Elgin downtown on, uh, 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 downtown Houston on a Sunday morning at seven o'clock where there was no traffic. And I announced and called a press conference that I was going to run the light at Milam and Elgin, and I was going to take it to court and contest the, the constitutionality of these cameras because they were writing the ticket to the person that wasn't get that actually didn't own the vehicle. So I, I, I went downtown and an officer came up to me and he, he wanted my driver's license. He said, are you going to run the light? And his name was John Nichols. And I, I knew him well. And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, when you do pull over after you do that, we're going to block the intersection for you. Cameras have been turned off knowing you're going to do this and you won't be able to get a ticket. Are you still going to do it? I said, yes, sir. Cause I said I was. So I ran through that light and then he wrote me a regular ticket. And when the camera crew ran up to me and the Chronicle ran this story in the news media on the front page of the Houston Chronicle, you can see where I'm at getting a ticket. And he says, well, what do you think about this, Mr. Kubosh? You, you, you've now got a ticket. And I said, well, we, we need more police officers stopping people who are violating the law than we do those cameras. And that's what they <laughs> ran. And, you know, I wound up on Fox News and people started telling me that, you know, we, we need, I need to run for mayor and, and I need to do this and that. And I listened, but a couple of years passed and we collected enough petitions to get it on the ballot and to get the people to vote the cameras out of Houston. That actually happened. And then my brother, Randy, uh, he, he, he was the plaintiff in the lawsuit and, and he took it all the way to the United States Supreme Court and won. And that's why today on the city charter is a charter amendment that prohibits the use of photo enforcement in regulating traffic. You may not know that, but it's there. And it's because my brother Randy took that uh, issue all the way to the United States Supreme Court and won. Now, uh, once I realized that I had such name, high name ID, everywhere I went, people were knew who I was, whether or not they were for or against the cameras. So what I did was I decided in 2013 I'd run for city council. They wanted me to run for mayor. I said, no, I'm going to run for council. And I won. And then, uh, and so that's how I've been, I've been in office now for eight years. 
Okay. Well, thanks for taking that initiative. It's not like nobody, anybody paid you to do that, but you still did it. I did it. Yeah, and, and I appreciate my brothers helping me. Oh, shout and, out to and, Randy Kubosh yeah. as well. Randy's actually here with us in the studio, and he's running for Harris County judge. Yes. But we just want to give you a shout out. Thanks for coming by. And yeah. we, we appreciate him. Yes, we do. Yes. But, yeah, that's, uh, like I said, I support law enforcement 100%. Oh, 200%. Too. Yeah. But there's a certain amount of oversight where I feel like it's it's a bit excessive. Jimmy, what they yeah. were doing, it wasn't about – the cameras have never been about safety. They, in fact, they increased accidents. The Chronicles did a story after the cameras were removed and said that six months after the cameras were removed, they did a study and said that the accidents at those intersections where they were cameras – were down 30% as a result of removing the cameras. Why? Because when people see the camera, they would hit their brakes and people would have rearing collisions. It wasn't ever about safety. It was about money. It was about bringing in the money for the, for the red light camera company, Jimmy, and bringing in the money for the, the, the city. The city was, said they were going to benefit from it, but I don't think they ever did. Okay, Mike, let's go ahead and go into some – let's talk about some other initiatives, initiatives that you've been a part of as well as some other of your top uh, priorities as an elected official for the city of Houston. Can you tell me a, a bit about the Feeding the Homeless initiative that you took as well as the abandoned vehicles that were in the, the bayou in the city? Well, I was in, um, I was in Chicago, uh, driving from Chicago to South Bend, Illinois, and I, I don't know why, but I looked over – and I saw people pulling something out of a like a ditch or something, and it dawned on me that I remember hearing about the fact that, that we had cars abandoned in our bayou system in Houston. So when I, I called my staff and I said, would y'all look this up? And they did. And they said, well, Texas EquiSearch had found 125 cars in two of our, our, our bayous, Sims and and um, Greens Bayou, uh, they Bra excuse me, Braves Bayou and Simmons Is that downtown? Bayou. Yeah, Never. from downtown. Hmm. And and these cars, they had at, Tim Miller with Texas Equa Search was looking for a lost woman who had Alzheimer's, and they felt like she had driven off perhaps into one of the Bayou systems. So they started uh, had a sonar, and they went through the Bayou system, and he was shocked. When he, when he realized how many cars were in the Bayou system. This is a place where criminals would dump cars. People would want to get rid of uh, somebody or get rid of the car uh, for insurance purposes or for whatever other purposes. They would just dump it in the Bayou. And so we would never get them out. Now, I learned later that the chief of police knew that they had been there and, and uh, the, we had never done anything about it. So I, I was infuriated by it. And I brought it to the public's attention, got on the news, got on the radio. I talked about it all the time at council. Finally, I got the city and the county together because the city owns the land, but it's the county that owns the water. And for us to pull them out of the water, we had to be on the water, which was the counties. The flood control controlled that. So we had we we started pulling cars out, and we got about 80 of them out. The first one we pulled out, there was a there was a skeletal remains of a gentleman uh, by the name of um, uh, Johnny Flanagan, and Johnny Flanagan uh, he was in that vehicle as a skeletal remains, and also his his two dogs that were in a, in a cages. He had been shot in the head, and so we knew then 
that we had a problem. And and we found some other remains, but by and large, there's still 40 cars or 45 cars still in the bayou. We got 80 out, and then we had all this other hurricanes and stuff. But the, the it appears, Jimmy, that the water flow is not great enough to move the car along. It's pretty mm. much right where it was. We went back and re-sonared it, and we saw them. We know that that uh, uh, Constable uh, Rosen and Precinct One uh, bought a, um, a a device, one of these sonars, where his own p- department can sonar those bayous to look for those vehicles. Yeah, that'll surely help the the city be cleaner if we can keep working on that. And, and get we the rest can keep of them crime out. down because you know we send a strong message to the criminals: you can't yeah. be dumping your cars in our bayous with people in the cars and not expect us to find out. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like something you see in a movie. That's it's crazy, and that's actually happening in our city. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah, in fact, there's going to be a show come out about it. A and E uh, called me, and they're going to be meeting with uh, uh, Tim Miller with Texas Equus Search and myself, and and they're going to do a, a show on this. Uh, I don't know when it's going to run, but uh, but the show hadn't been shot yet. They're in the process. So once that's done, well, we'll let you know. Awesome. So you're going to be a TV star now. Does that does that mean I need to get his autograph now? <laughs> you need to get it right now, Jimmy. <laughs> but that's what really got me uh, early on interested in, in running for office. I, I'd have never dreamed I would have enjoyed it this much. I don't know if you can tell how happy I am, but I, I, I enjoy serving the people I because I love people, you know, it's not anything I have to work at, you know, it's just natural. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. I can tell the passion. I could just, I feel it when you just, when you send your message across and that's, it's, it's a beautiful thing for me to see the, also you had an initiative uh, where feeding the homeless was where people could do that without getting in trouble. Well, with the law. Is you, that you know, we're, we're, um, we're, we're a, a nation based on Judeo Christian ethics, whether or not you're Hindu, Muslim, Christian, a Jew, uh, it doesn't really matter. People want to help people that need to hunger, that are hungry and want food. Right. And how can we ask God bless Houston when we pass a law that criminalizes the giving of food to the needy and the poor, not just the homeless? Mm-hmm. They were wanting to institute a ordinance that would cause churches to have to have their kitchens. Uh, past inspections and all these kind of things. And, and it was just wrong. And so we, we got the churches removed from, from that uh, ordinance, but they still eventually passed that ordinance and, and it was wrong. And nobody's ever been ticketed that I know of since this ordinance passed in 2012, 2013, and it's nobody's ever been ticketed, but it's wrong to even have the threat uh, of a violation because a lot of people are afraid to give food. Uh, you have a party. I mean, like we, we have family parties. I got a big family, as I told you earlier. We have leftover food. You know, we we want to take it and, and while it's still warm and give it to somebody that needs it. And 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 if you do to more than five people at one time, it's it's criminal. And yet we want God to bless our city. Uh, Jesus would be in trouble because he fed five thousand. Yeah, the, from just being a reasonable human being, that it doesn't make any sense for there to be any kind of law uh, against doing some sort of well. Thing and, like and Jimmy, they they right. justify it by saying, "Well, we gotta have we gotta have it cleaned up." Well, look, we have, and they they're, they're on somebody else's property. Well, we have we have trespassing laws, we have littering laws. That's all a bunch of nonsense. They were did it 
to scare away certain groups who were regularly feeding the hungry in different parts of town. Right, because those people may be on the verge of starvation yeah. at any moment. And if you go and give them a meal, it could possibly save their life. And there's a lot of satisfaction in feeding people. And I've, I've met a lot of the people that are doing it, and, and there is a joy in giving somebody something to eat. I agree. I've done it myself as well. And it's a feeling that's you, you have to do it to understand it. Yeah, I, I you know think, what I mean, Michael? I think you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I volunteered at the homeless shelter as well. And so, that's so the same you concept. To, you have to do it to understand, to understand. The, that feeling. Yes, that you get. I, I can't explain it in words, but it's a good feeling. And it certainly is. humbling, yes. to say the least. And it makes you feel thankful. For everything we have. For all you have, yes. Absolutely. All right, Michael, let's go to some, some of the policy uh, priorities, that uh, some of the ones that I – that I checked out, uh, which I actually am a big fan of as well. But just focus on a few. Uh, I did write down quite a bit. Uh, I feel like uh, one that is really big right now is government transparency. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but if you could just kind of give a, 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 a bigger description of that in terms of your interpretation of how the government should do that. Well, I, I believe that it, when you ask for records from the government, it's called an open records request. Uh, and, and there's a, always a certain amount of cost for the paper and the printing of the documents to give it to you. But the first thing they do, Jimmy, when you ask for something like this, is, is they, they send it to the attorney general and they want to, in, of Texas, and they want to contest whether or not you have a right to get it. And uh, I, I, I just, I'm sorry, but I, that's wrong. I'm a sitting city council member. I have been elected by the people of this city, and sometimes when I ask for documents that I want to get, I am told, well, we have to send a request to the attorney general to see if we can give them to you. What? What? I mean, that, this is insane. Doesn't make sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 and I just go, I go berserk right. because, uh, and, and if I, as your elected official, can't, can't get, get the it. documents, how hard is it going to be for you to get the documents? virtually impossible there's there's an old saying jimmy in in law that justice delayed is justice denied all they've got to do is just keep putting you off long enough run out the clock and it doesn't matter that's what they do yeah it shouldn't be like that and that's why i you know i you know i i i would pray that whoever our next mayor is whoever it might be that they will be willing if people want the documents, just give it to them. Pay the cost of printing it up. Black out anything that that's uh, that that needs to be blacked out, like a person's social security number or whatever has to be blacked out, and give it to them. Why? 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 Why make it so hard? Why make this so difficult? They make everything difficult. Government just makes it hard. And then you want to know why people don't want to vote, why people don't want to get involved in government, because they bumped up against all these bureaucratic things. Look, there's, post, there's only three branches of government that we're taught in school. That's the legislative, the judicial, and the executive. But there's two other branches. The, the bureaucrats, you, you, you got true. me now, the bureaucratic branch, 
and, and, and that's the one that got Trump in trouble, the bureaucrats, and then the special interest groups. Mm. So there's actually five levels of government. And let me tell you, I deal more in conflict with bureaucrats and special interest groups than I do anybody else. And I think that the, the mayor of the city of Houston should be willing and have an open-door policy. You want the documents, by gosh, you pay for them, the printing of them, and you can have them. Things would be a lot better if there was that kind of transparency. So hopefully we'll be there what one day. Hiding? Right. Hopefully we'll be there one day. We don't have that now. But that's why a lot of people well, are apathetic well, well, and, Jimmy, and distrusting of the government. Well, well, listen, when all this came down on this this government official here recently and the F FBI and, and, and the U.S. attorney had, had cut a deal with her to give her five years in the penitentiary, and that's day for day, by the way, and a $250,000 fine. When when they did that and they said there were 17 other uh, officials that, that are going to be revealed, when I saw that, I slept well that night because I have never been enriched by serving in government, and it made me feel good to know that I'm not on that list. I don't know who's on that list, but I guarantee you they ought to be worried about it today. Right, right. <laughs> Since we're, we're talking about everything we're talking about, we're being very vocal and direct about it, which I'm, I like that as well. Can, can you explain to me the situation of political correctness right now in American society and the world? Because it feels like a lot of times out there, I, I'm walking on eggshells too, because you have to be so careful with what you're saying. But, Michael, I like what you're preaching today because you're being so direct and honest about it. It's well, coming from your gut. Well, you know, political correctness, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I have I have uh, three staff members uh, that that are uh, and and two of them are African American, but I, I ask them. Uh, I said, "Look, let, let's be real honest. What what do I call you? You know, uh, what, what do you? How do you want me to refer to you? Right. Black or African American? You know." And they said, "Well, just call us by our names." <laughs> <laughs> or that. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming, but that so, makes sense. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to call Jimmy Kim by his name. Yeah, Jimmy, imagine Jimmy that, Kim. right? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that you know all these all these labels and things, but but I, I understand just like I told you the other er, earlier that the largest voting block in the city of Houston was black females over the age of 65. I mean, I'm over 65, you know, and uh, and and people say, well, you're white. Yeah, I'm white. You, you know? don't look like you're over 65, well, I'm, Michael. I'm actually not white. I'm like, I'm like, I'm flesh tone. <laughs> but any, I don't know what color I am. But anyhow, the truth of the matter is all this political correctness can get us in trouble. Right. You know, I, I called one of the council members the other day, uh, that uh, a young lady, and, and she got real upset with me for calling her a young lady. Well, I'm twice her age. So That's a compliment. I thought that I thought that was a good thing, but right. she took offense to it, made a big deal That's out of it. That's bizarre. Like yeah. it was derogatory. So I guess that wasn't politically correct. And, right. and uh, th there's there's things about um, it's, it's always it's, it never ends. Right. You know, it's like my my, my brother uh, had asked one of our attorneys that we had known they had a baby. They said he said, "Well, what is it, a girl or a boy?" He said, "Oh no, we're not going there. They'll they'll need to get to decide for themselves." What? I mean, I don't I don't understand. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I somebody said that started using terms that, uh, during the hero ordinance. People would get so upset about about terminology. Look, we just. 
treat everybody fairly. Call them by their names. You know, let's try to, you know, uh, you know, once once some of these issues come up, it, it just becomes very caustic. They just can't seem to get it out of their craw. You know, they and they want to make that the issue. Oh, you said this one time, or oh, you did that one time. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, and yeah. and I, I just think we ought to be fair and nice. If you saw the people that I run around with from, from times that, that are my friends or friendly to me, I say my friends, my they're friendly. You'd say, Michael, you know, <laughs> you got a pretty motley group that are friends with you. I, well, you know, I, I I've just treated everybody fairly. You know, right. and people like that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's what we have to do. Yeah. I don't care if they're Democrats, Republicans, if they're independents. I don't. I don't care. You know. I just want to. I want to get the job done. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they teach that us. They teach that to us in elementary school. We treat others the way we want to be treated. But some people lose sight of that, unfortunately. And remember this, Jimmy. Uh, as an elected city official, I'm, yes. I, I run on a nonpartisan ballot. Yes. It so neither Democrat or Republican. It doesn't say Democrat or Republican. It's just nonpartisan, and I like that. Because that way I can walk right into a meeting and I don't, I can cut past all that other. Absolutely. Because as yeah. soon as I, they start tagging me as a Democrat or a Republican, barriers and walls come up. And they automatically begin to assume things that are maybe not in truth. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's why even on my show, I, there, I try to keep that to a minimum where we mention political party affiliation. Because at the end of the day, it's not the most important thing. It's what that individual stands for. And that's what we're focused on today. We've right. been talking about policy almost the, whole, almost the whole show. And we do have to wrap up here in a little bit, Mike, but there are also two other policy uh, highlights or policy agenda issues that, uh, that we should discuss here. And one of your priorities is economic development and job creation for the whole city, right? Yeah, I, li I like that too. Yeah, I, I, I want to remind you of this, that because of this COVID virus, the city of Houston received $405 million uh, as, uh, as a grant up front that we don't have to pay back. And, and we used a lot of it uh, for things that the government, that we, we, we figured out, the, the mayor and the, and the powers that be figured out how we could legally use the money to help the people in our community. Then the government passed this CARES dollars, 315 one year, million and 305 million the next so between all of this the city of houston over the over from from last year to 2022 2021 and 22 will receive a billion dollars over a billion dollars and that money needs to go into uh helping the public and helping the people this is yes. we don't need to be the the city with with uh, with two different groups where those tall buildings downtown create a shadow for all the poverty on the east and west side we 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 need to we need to uh it's not just share the wealth we need to be fair with the money that we get i i've been a a, a one who's wanted one to champion the fact that that if we get money in and we're going to give it out we need to give it out fairly Right now, I, I don't think that we do that the way we should, and so consequently we need transparency. Yes. That's why we need this checkbook that I talked about earlier. That's why we need the city controller to be in the city city council meeting every week so we can dig into this stuff yes. and make sure we're doing it right. And then fiscal <laughs> responsibility. That's pretty much what you're saying. 
So another thing I saw, Michael, is that you, you like to promote one of your agenda items is entertainment, tourism, and arts in our city. That, I really like that when I saw it because while your work, well, your career is very important, the city has to be fun or nobody's going to want to come here. <laughs> That's why when you told me about the radio being canceled, yeah, it is a bummer because people like to do that stuff. And it's a big part of our city. Jimmy, I, yeah. I went to the uh, – to the, the, there's a national meeting every year in Orlando, Florida, and I got to meet the CEO of, of, of Disney, Walt Disney. Wow. And he he spoke to us in a group, and he talked about things that that uh, that should be done and to be able to 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 accomplish uh, more positive entertainment in in different cities. Absolutely. One of the things that's blocking us from having another theme park like we did during Astroworld, the thing that's blocking it is the other cities such as such as. Uh, such as the ones over in San Antonio and in Dallas, they they don't want us to have this theme park here. Why? Because our citizens go there, mm, that's and, and they don't. You know, people go there. They they don't want to have one here. But but I we want I we want to build one here. I talked to the mayor about it. There's a five million dollar feasibility study that needs to be done. I've talked to the Greater Houston Partnership. Uh, they they've tried it before and and they just say it just ain't gonna fly. But all of the pushback that we have received, and I don't know if you're old enough, Jimmy, to remember Astroworld or not. Barely. But but when you go into Astroworld back when it, it was new, you'd have college students putting on little shows, and this is all part of the arts. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they were singing, they were dancing. There was all kind of little entertainments in these little shows, and and it was a wonderful time. I can still remember some of the songs and some of the things that happened. But but what we have done is we have we in Houston have succumbed to. To Disney in Orlando or in Los Angeles or the water parks in in San Antonio, the the Texas uh, theme park there, the one up in Dallas, and and we've let it go here. We we really need uh, a mayor who will focus on, on on giving giving some incentives to these investors who will build a theme park in Houston. And yes, we have a lot of property still in Houston that 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 it could easily be done, and we need to do it. There's potential. There's yeah. potential right here. And look at the base. Look, we look how large we are. We're the we have the largest medical complex in the world. We're the we're the the, the petrochemical giant of the world right here. Uh, we have NASA. We have a lot of pluses here that we could parlay, and we need to do that. Absolutely. All right, Mike. As we wrap up this interview. Tell me about so what's in the future for Michael Kubosh? Because can you tell the audience you're you're being termed out this election well, season? I, yes, I, okay. I I have two more years. Two more years, okay. And I can't announce what I'm going to do until next December. So you're going to have to have me back, okay? Uh, because if I announce anything now, I, officially I would have to resign uh, my oh, current office. Okay. Okay. So that's the way the statute reads, and so I'll honor that. But I'm I'm not how I don't have any plans to go away. So that means uh, I'm going to be doing something, and I want to do something to help this city. And I want transparency. I want some of the things that I talked to you about, the ability to get open records, the ability for the people to prosper and to, and to benefit from the money we get from the federal government. Well, we'll be, we'll be anticipating that news from you, Michael. You're going to keep everybody guessing, though. I like that. <laughs> All right, and then to wrap up the show, Michael, I always do this. Three tips to be successful as a politician elected official. 
to number the audience. one, uh, you have to remember this. It's not how much you say. Uh, it, it's it's what you say that counts. Daddy also used to tell me, it's, it's he said, boy, it's not what you know. It's not even who you know. It's who knows you. So it's important to, to be known by the right people mm-hmm. and to build relationship. It's Politics is all about relationship building. It's relationship, relationship, relationship. When I thought about a business, I, I talked to a person who, who was very wise about businesses, and he would say, oh, Mr. Kubosh, it's location, location, location. Well, in politics, it's, it's, it's who you know. It's positioning yourself and build, getting people to know you. You know, you got to have who knows you. You got to get out there and show your face and get involved with people. All right. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. Well, everybody listening to Radio The Bong certainly knows who you are now, Michael. (laughs) All right. To the audience out there, thank you so much for tuning in to The Jimmy Kim Show today. Councilmember Michael Kubosh, thanks for coming to the station. And also his brother, Randy Kubosh, thank you all so much for coming by. And we'll see you all next week. Have a great day. Bye.